Hi, and welcome to episode 11 of Frank's World. Thanks for tuning in. We'll just get right into the story, which focuses on a topic in South America. But first, here's a quick summary of the last episode. The team bonded over lunch date and then got called in for a mission to the Nile River. Their job was to locate five fish, well, four fish and one crocodile, so they headed to the Nile Delta in Egypt where all those fish could be found. They left exhausted but happy that they had gotten the job done. Okay, without further ado, here's the episode. Three calls were made, one to Frank, one to Lisa, one to Steve. Mother Nature's next letter had arrived, and they had to come in in order to discuss and get the necessary information. Each of them drove to the office as quickly as they could. Three car doors were slammed when they arrived, three pushes of the elevator button, three people walking into the meeting room, first Lisa, then Steve, then Frank. Finally, when they were all situated, Agent Everett walked in too. She greeted them with a look of seriousness in her face. They anxiously awaited the contents of the letter. She decided to let Steve read it aloud to the group, so she handed it to him. He cleared his throat and started reading. As you should know, you will be going to South America today, Caño Cristales in specific. There you will need to find the man with the white shirt and straw hat. Talk to him. That is your mission. Steve put the letter down when he finished. Frank squinted. Wait, our task is to find one man? And that whole place? How are we supposed to find one man? There's probably thousands who are there every day, and we know nothing about him other than that, commented Lisa. That was the exact thing I was thinking, said Agent Everett. I don't exactly know how you will do it, but you need to try. You'll be going there tomorrow. I suppose you should just look around and try your best. I think we should have a better plan than that, though, refuted Lisa. I mean, we only have one day there. I don't like the odds that we might just stumble upon him. Well, what do you think we should do? asked Steve. I don't know. We could find a map of the place and figure out a plan for how we'll look for him. We could try to figure out specific places where he could work. We could consider why Mother Nature wants us to talk to this man in order to get a better clue of who he is. I don't know, she responded. I like the last idea, said Agent Everett. He's probably just someone who works there, commented Frank, a tour guide or something, someone with knowledge of the place. That seems too obvious, though, replied Steve. Well, that's the thing. We're not truly going to be able to figure out who this is before we even go there. He could literally be anyone, said Frank. Then how about we try thinking of some other plan, asked Lisa. Yeah, responded Steve. I think it's a good idea to get a map of it and then see how we could navigate it just to make it easier. Agent Everett nodded in agreement. She walked over to, com- to her computer and pulled up a map. Then she printed it out and they all looked at it. They used a red marker to make a whole plan of everywhere they could walk in order to cover the entire place in the most efficient way. Once they had finished, Frank spoke up. We still, not, we still may not find him even if we look everywhere. He could move around. We could barely miss him. But we can only hope that we'll be able to find him. Wait, what if there are other men with white shirts and straw hats? inquired Steve. I mean, how will we know it's him? I'm guessing we'll just know, said Frank. There will have to be some indication that it's him. There was nothing else for the team to discuss, and they were left unsettled. They would would have to just go and see and hope to find this mysterious man. They started heading out of the room, but Agent Everett called Frank back to talk to him alone, just like she had the past times. He smiled, anticipating what she would say. He liked their conversations. How are things going, Frank? She asked him softly. He noticed how her voice seemed to soften whenever she talked to him alone and wondered if she did that to the other people too. They're going pretty well, he said. I'm feeling a lot better about things. She smiled. I can tell, and I'm glad, was all she said. 
I guess I'm just worried that I'll mess up my life again. I seem to have a tendency to do that, he said back. Her smile dimmed when he said this, and she looked at him intently. Okay, first of all, Frank, you never messed up your life. I know it seemed like the end of the world at the time, but you still had people who cared about you, and you were still doing well for yourself. And I'm sure it won't happen again. You're improving as a person. It's clear to everyone around you. You consider how your actions affect others, and you have learned to control your anger. You've learned from your mistakes, and you're a better person now. You won't act like that again. He looked at the floor, feeling unsure. He liked what she was saying, but he didn't really believe it. Look, she said, if you believe you'll make those same mistakes, you'll make those same mistakes. If you, But if you believe in yourself as a person and you know you're better now, you won't. It's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. He pondered this for a moment. Maybe she was right. He did have to believe him in himself. Thanks, he simply said. I have a lot to owe to you. A look of serious, almost urgency came over her eyes, but she didn't address it. Instead, she responded, no problem. Well, I should probably get going. You should too. Bye, Frank. She got up and closed the door behind her. He was kind of surprised how suddenly the conversation had ended, but he didn't think too much about it. He also got up and left the building so he could go home and prepare for his trip. Somehow, Agent Everett always had a way of relieving him. He now felt more at ease about his life and about the upcoming trip. Three people woke up very early the next morning for their trip to Caño Cristales. They all boarded the plane before the sun had ridden risen. It was always eerie being up that early because almost no one else was out, but there was certainly a sense of calm that came with it. They felt like the world's the world was theirs only, and I mean, it kind of was. It was in their hands, at least. Frank showed up first, then Steve, then Lisa. They were all dressed in their comfy clothes, still trying to wake up, but knowing they didn't really have to. Once they got on the plane, they could simply go back to sleep. They softly greeted each other but had an unspoken agreement to stay pretty quiet. They sat in the same seats they always did because that's what they were used to. Frank on the right side by himself, Lisa across the way from him, and Steve just behind her. The trip was long but not quite as long as last time. As time passed and the sun started to come out, they grew less groggy and got some energy to talk to each other. But they didn't want to wear out their energy now because they knew that finding the man would be a difficult task. Hopefully not too difficult, though. They tried to hold out hope that maybe it would be easy, like if you were right at the entrance or something. Maybe they get lucky. That was what they had to hope for. Lisa, do you have music? asked Steve. Yeah, I actually put together a cool playlist yesterday. I could play it if you want. Cool, he replied. Frank turned his head to listen. The music started, and she played a lot of really good songs. They were all enjoying them, nodding or tapping along to themselves. It was a good way to energize them. Before long, the plane had landed. They stepped off and took in the warm, fresh air. No man with a white shirt and a straw hat was nearby, but that was okay. They held out hope of being able to find him and prayed it wouldn't take all day long. They were in a small village called La Macarena, which was the gateway into Caña Crisales. It was cute, with shops and restaurants all around. They breathed in the fresh, warm air. Maybe we could stop and get something to eat, said Steve. We can't stop. We're here now, and we need to find the man, replied Lisa. Well, yeah, but we'll have more energy if we eat. Come on, it won't take very long, and it'll be good in the long run. Lisa sighed. Frank was relieved to be out of it, but they both turned to him. Oh, you guys can decide, he said. Try not to be part of any sort of argument. He knew where that would lead. I'm good either way. Frank, they both exclaimed at the same time. He closed his eyes and drew in a breath. He knew he had to pick a side, and suddenly he knew how Steve felt when he was arguing with Lisa. 
Well, I am kind of hungry, he said. We could get something quickly, I think. Steve looked, Steve looked pleased, and Lisa gave them both a look of annoyance. You guys, this whole time we've been stressing out about how we're going to find him in time. We can't waste a single minute. If we're not able to find him today, we're screwed. I'd rather be hungry for a day than fail our task and have the world end. But Lisa, said Frank, no buts. We can't risk it, she replied, and started walking in the direction of the river. Steve and Frank stayed back and stared at each other. Frank didn't know what to do. He really, really, really didn't want to get in any more fights and would be willing to take Lisa's side just so that it could all be over. But Steve wasn't so willing. He shouted out to Lisa as she was walking away. You can go on and do whatever you want, but Frank and I are getting food. She turned around and stared at him before walking back. She was clearly getting very frustrated, and so was Steve. Frank didn't see why any of it was such a big deal. Please, Steve, please can we just go? No. It's a terrible idea. No offense. We'll get exhausted so quickly. There's not. There's going to be a lot of walking, and it's super hot. We could pass out if we don't eat. I'm not saying this because my hunger is an inconvenience. I'm saying this because the only way we're going to last out there is if we eat. If we pass out or have to slow down, we won't be able to find the man. Taking the extra 20 minutes now to eat will make us so much more efficient when we go. Trust me about this. She looked down at the ground. Fine, she finally mumbled, kicking the rocks on the ground beneath her. Twenty minutes. Steve gave her a smile to imply that he was glad she came around and not upset. She took a second to collect herself, and then they walked into a small restaurant and ate their food. The tension was gone. Frank was amazed at Steve's ability ability to distill the situation. If it were him in the argument, he probably would have yelled something that he didn't mean and then walked away alone. They would be fighting for weeks. In this case, they were both able to make their points and express their frustrations without it blowing up. If only he could do that. Once they had finished eating, in exactly 19 minutes and 38 seconds, they got up and walked to an information booth about Kanye Cristales. They said that they would have to take a jeep trip to the river driven by a tour guide. They agreed to do this and hopped into the jeep. It was actually pretty fun and peaceful. They traveled through the nature that surrounded them and felt the sun radiating down on them. It was, a, it was a nice little trip, but it didn't last long. They got out when they reached the river. Immediately upon stepping out, they looked across it. They were amazed by the sight they saw. It was made, of, it was made up of gorgeous, striking colors, especially red. The tour guide told them that it, that it had been given the nickname Liquid Rainbow, and it was clear to see why. And so the search began. Lisa took out the map that they had drawn out for where they needed to go. Okay, she said. We need to cover the west side within two hours, and we can go throughout the middle of it, which would take about, mm, probably three or so hours. Lisa, 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 interrupted Steve. Do you really think we need to plan it out like that? Why can't we just walk around? We're here, and it doesn't seem too hard. She looked at him like he was crazy. Are you serious? she asked. Come on, part of the point of this trip is to appreciate the nature. We have plenty of time, let's just take it in. I'm not saying we need to meander around aimlessly, but I don't think we need such a rigid plan, he responded. Then what was the point of spending that time to make it? To see, to approximate. I think you're getting a little too stressed out about this. She sighed deeply and closed her eyes for a few moments. Then she opened them back up. She spoke in a clear, serious, and desperate way. Steve? We took the time to get the food. We did that, and you are right, it was a good idea. But we cannot spend any more time not looking for this man. We need to be as efficient as possible. If we just start walking around, we may not ever find him. I'm telling you, we need to do this. 
Steve could see her getting stressed out, and he would feel bad to argue with her anymore. Okay, okay, he said. Let's start then. She nodded and collected herself. Frank said absolutely nothing. They started following the guidelines they had mapped out the day before. They looked everywhere and asked all around. Have you seen a man wearing a white shirt and a straw hat? Have you seen a man wearing a white shirt and a straw hat? Have you seen a man wearing a white shirt and a straw hat? Everyone just said no and looked confused when they asked. The hours, the hours were passing and they were growing more and more frustrated and gradually started to give up hope. At least the river was pretty. Whenever they got stressed or agitated, they could just look out at the beautiful colors of the river and feel better. But they had to look up quickly so they wouldn't miss the man. The sun was going to set in an hour. Tears started forming in Lisa's eyes and she felt her throat tighten up. The whole world was in their hands right now. If they failed this task, everything could be over. We gotta walk quicker, she said to the group, trying to hide her tears. Frank and Steve knew she was right, but they were but they were tired. They took deep breaths and picked up their pace. The worst thoughts were coming into all of their minds. The sun would be setting soon, and then it would be much harder to find him. The same throat feeling was appearing in Frank's throat as well. Steve was trying to keep everyone calm, but internally he was starting to feel the stress as well. They were looking very dejected when all of a sudden, Frank nearly jumped in the air. He pointed across the way. That's him! That's him! He yelled. Steve and Lisa whipped their heads and saw who Frank was referring to. It was a man wearing a white shirt and a straw hat. He was standing by the river and tossing pebbles in it. They were filled with the amazement at the sight of the man who, who they were becoming convinced didn't exist. He was there. It was really him. They all quickly walked over to him, but slowed down when they got up close. Hi, sir, said Lisa. We were wondering if you could help us with something. He turned around and faced them. They weren't able to gauge his feeling towards them based on his face. Lisa turned to Frank and Steve. She realized they didn't know what to say to him once they found him. The man just stared. Uh, said Lisa, thinking. Ah, you would like a tour, the man said. Y yes, she replied. Well, I don't often give tours, but I will give you one. I am an expert of this river, he said. They all grinned. They were talking to the right man. He started walking without saying anything else, and they, and they had to pick up the pace in order to keep up with him. He pointed out different things to them as they walked. So, do you work here? asked Frank. Oh, no, I don't work here, but I live nearby, and I've been coming to this river ever since I was young. Right after it opened up again in, what was that, 2002. I must have been around 10 or 12. I've conducted studies here, but mostly I just come to admire it. They were all impressed by what he was saying. Do you know why it changes colors like this? the man asked the group. I'm guessing it has something to do with algae, responded Frank. Close. There's actually an aquatic plant that does that, and some of the other colors are due to moss, minerals, and bacteria. Frank was slightly embarrassed that he got the answer wrong. The man reached down into the water and picked up a piece of the aquatic plant, which was a bright red color. They looked at it with wonder, and each got to touch it. It's good, it's good you came when you did, he said. The river isn't always colorful like this. Most of the year, it's just a normal river. Still, still cool, but... This is when it's at its best. The conditions seem to be exactly right. He continued walking around. They didn't tell him that they had already wandered around for the whole day, but they were able to appreciate it much more that they weren't overcome with stress and worry. The sun started to set, which was a gorgeous sight to see over the river. The man brought them, brought them back to the entrance and wished them well. What's your name? Lisa asked him. Gabriel, he said. Gabriel, thank you so much. You've helped us more than you know. He smiled and waved goodbye. 
They all went back to the village of La Macarena and got into their jet. On the way back, they were all very relieved and finally able to relax. One continent left, exclaimed Steve. It must be Antarctica. Oh God, that'll be interesting. I hate the cold, replied Lisa. They all laughed and enjoyed the rest of their ride. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening.